And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Stephanie Teeter. Stephanie had near-death experiences where she encountered beings, and now we're going to learn about it. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today, and welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, Stephanie, my audience loves to hear about near-death experiences, so if you don't mind, can we start with your first one? Sure. Um, I have a lot of backstory, but we'll get into that later. But my first experience, I had tried to end my life. and. Um, when I did, I had, um, gone over to the other side, but it wasn't like some of the experiences I've heard on here where you went through a tunnel or anything like that. I just appeared in this doorway and I was looking in and it looked, what it looked like was a very small chapel, like what you would envision in, uh, in a um, hospital, just that kind of small area. And it had pews in it. And there were people that were sitting there in different pews, some two, some three together. Um, But the whole thing wasn't filled up. And at the front, like when you're looking down the rows, pews over here and pews over here, there was this light being at the end. Now you could tell that it had form to it. So it looked like, like it would, like if you were looking at a person, but it was just surrounded by this white light that was emanating around it and from it. It was so inviting, so loving. And it came up to me and it said, I want to show you something. And all of a sudden, we were in this field, just this gorgeous field with this really soft grass. And I remember the grass the most because at the time I had diabetes and so I had neuropathy. So when in, in reality, if I would walk on grass or I go barefoot on carpet, I would get these shooting pains coming up my feet. So the grass, I, I just remember the grass was so great and I was able to walk on it, didn't hurt. And um, you could see trees that were off in the distance and there was a structure made out of concrete or looked like it was made out of concrete um, that looked like a um, kind of an arch. And we went over there and they said, I want to show you what happens if you stay here. And then I, and, and I was also surrounded by all this love and, um, and then they said, I also want to show you what happens if you go back. And so they showed me what, that it would be like having all this around the field and, and all this love, this incredible love. It was just, it, it just, you could feel it in every fiber of your being. It was just, it was absolutely amazing. And I knew that that's where I really wanted to be. That was home to me. And I had yearned for that place my entire life. Um, 
And then they showed me what was going to happen if I went back. And I decided that I was going to come back. And after that experience, I don't know how long I was there. It seemed like it was so long. Um, I was only gone for a little bit when they resuscitated me. Um, so um, I wasn't aware of that. I just found that out later that I, that my heart had only stopped for a little bit. And um, so when I got back, I remembered the whole experience. I still remember the whole experience, just like it was today or yesterday that it happened. But I did not remember anything they showed me in my future. And I was so upset. I was, I was so upset to be back. I was so upset that I chose to come back and leave that. It, it was mind boggling to me, but I also knew that I had more to do here there was a reason that I chose to come back. So that was, that was the first, the first um, NDE that I had. Thank you for sharing that with us. Sure. You immediately went to a hospital like chapel. Were you revived in a hospital or um, was. you was, so maybe that's why you were kind of there. You think I was, I don't, I don't know. Um, it just seemed like this intermittent place. I'm not sure what the people were doing in there. I don't know if they were waiting to see other people. It just seemed like a welcoming area to me. Um, and, and I don't say that it's like a, a hospital chapel or to, um, to say that's what it was, I I was just saying that it was like that. I I mean I can't think of the other experiences or other chapels because I I wasn't religious to equate that to. So that's why I said like a hospital chapel. I've seen them. I know they're small. Mm -hmm. So it was that kind of area where it's not real light or bright in there. Um, it's just kind of a quiet place for people to go. Did you ever happen to look at that actual hospital's chapel to see if it was that place? I did not. Hmm. I didn't even think of it. Hmm. That would be interesting, though. Yeah. I was going to ask you, well, what happened in your future? But then you told us. You forgot. <laughs> you didn't remember it when it came back. Right. It must have been pretty profound, I would think, or you wouldn't have chose to come back. It had to have been because... All my life, I have felt like I wasn't home, like um, just being on the other side, I knew was my home and that's where I belonged and that's where I wanted to be. Mm. It, ever since I was little, I can remember that um, I tried to end my life the first time at six years of age. So I, I knew that's where I wanted to be. I believe you said that you were angry when you came back, how long did it take for you to get over that? The anger? Mm -hmm. Oh, a while. Oh, it, it, it took a while. In fact, um, I didn't get over it um, within that year because later on in the year, I tried again. Mm. And when I did try again, I was shown um, what would happen if I ever did it again. And it was like they were, I don't know if they were telepathically telling me this is what's going to happen. 
and they showed me this vision. But um, before I came back from, um, I had uh, I had organ shutdown um, from from trying to end my life, and um, the doctors had said that I wasn't going to make it. And I've had a transplant before, and they said that I needed a liver transplant. I had a pancreas and and kidney transplant um, back in 2009. And so this was later. And they said that if you've had a transplant and you try to end your life, they won't give you another transplant. So they were expecting all my organs to shut down. And without a liver transplant, they expected me to pass. But what I was shown um, during that time was that um, I was going to come back and be a vegetable in a hospital bed. That was the vision that they showed me if I ever tried to do it again. Mm. Now, this is your second NDE? Well, I don't know if I, if it, I did, I don't think that I passed away during that. Mm. So it was some kind of, I'm not sure what. Yeah, I okay. I, I don't know what to to call it. It's an out of body experience. Um, so in this time, did you appear in a chapel again, or did you appear somewhere else? No, they just showed me the hospital room. They showed me in this bed, and they showed me hooked up to all of this stuff. And I knew at that time that they were showing me what would happen to me if I ever tried to do it again. Did you see beings this time? And were, and is that I what didn't. You didn't. You just saw. I, I didn't. Right. And you just kind now, of Now, I had another NDE where I did okay. later well, on. So you just kind of saw it and you just had this inner knowing then. Correct. That if I do this again, this is, this is, this is the it. That's right. So after these two NDEs, did you change personally? I did. I did. How was that? Um, it, I just had this peace come over me. Um, I found more purpose. I had a special need. I have a special needs son and he, it just became all consuming about him and my daughter, um, and being there for them. I just knew that I couldn't do this anymore, that I couldn't keep thinking about these things. And I met the love of my life who helped me to realize that he wasn't going to be able to stay with me if I continued to try or think about that. And that gave me courage too to change and want to be here and want to be in this relationship and want to be in this life. And I have not been thinking about suicide ever since then. Mm, That's great. And then I found my purpose and my purpose was doing readings for people. I'm an intuitive medium reader Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to help other people because I've been through so much in my life, you know, a lot of medical problems. I had juvenile diabetes. Um, I've had strokes and I've had a heart attack and I've just had a lot of major things go on in my life that made me um, and, and other things, um, having a special needs son, having a couple of relationships that were abusive. 
um, and things like that, that gave me more courage to stand up for others and help them through those things. And Mm -hmm. I felt like that was my purpose. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your next NDE. Sure. So I had had a stroke and I was at home and I had called my fiance to come home um, because I was feeling very, very bad and come to find out that was one of the strokes that I had. This time I was, I was waiting there and I went unconscious. I was laying by the door. I went unconscious and I was all of a sudden on this beach. Now this beach was so vibrant. You could see all this white sand um, and all these trees that were around, but they also had, so they had the bank that I was on and this very, very long beach. And then they had this water that was over to my left and it went out what looked like into an ocean. So it was this kind of lagoon area and then it went out into this ocean. And then there were mountains that were over or cliffs that were over to the left of that with trees up there. And down the beach came a bean which to me was either Jesus or one of my spirit guides, I'm not sure which, who also had that glowing um, light that was just emanating from, from his entire being. It was, it was behind him. It was around him. It was coming towards me and he was floating. He wasn't walking on the, on the beach. He was, He was flowing. And then all of a sudden he was right before me and he, he was talking to me and he said, all your problems when you're living are like a grain of sand. And he told me to look down and I looked down and he said, now I want you to concentrate on one piece of sand. And he said, that piece of sand is your problems compared to the whole of everything. It was incredible. Mm. It was, I I still feel like I'm there when I think about it. And when I talk about it, and that was, that was the second one that I had. And then afterwards, did you just pop back into your body or did you have a choice to come back or not? No, it wasn't anything like that. I just knew that I was going to the hospital at some point where we were driving. So he took me in his car and we drove to the hospital. So I, I woke up. So there, everything was, was fuzzy um, from the point of, you know, falling down on the ground and being in front of the door to being in the car. Afterwards, did you change in a way that you just thought problems were just not important at all anymore? Well, I try to look at that, but it's very hard when you're in the body to realize that when you're having problems. Um, I know that it's easy for me to see that with other people, but seeing it for yourself is a little different. Now, you mentioned you were an intuitive. Uh Uh, Had you been that? your entire life or only after you've had your NDEs? No, no, I have been my entire life. In fact, when I was five, my sister and I were at my grandparents' house and we slept on this pull-out couch. 
And I remember there was a fan up away from us. I always slept on the, the left side and she slept on the right. And I looked up at the fan and the light was off. There was a light there. Light was off. And I said, Lori, do you see those angels? And she said, no. And I said, don't you see those lights? They were orbs. They were, they were different colored orbs. And she's like, no. And that was the first time that I really remembered seeing spirit. Um, but I don't, I don't know if that happened prior to that. Because usually you don't remember things unless it was significant before the age of five, six. Well, after your NDEs, did you gain any other abilities that you didn't have before or did your intuitive ability increase? Maybe it's increased. I, I'm i more confident about giving readings to people. I, I was after that happened. It seemed like um, I had more awareness of what was going on with people than I had before. Um one of the significant readings that I had shortly after that was uh, a niece for a person that I already read for. And the niece um, came to me for a reading. This wasn't in person. This was over the phone. I do most of my readings over the phone. And what her boyfriend, ex, well, not ex, but her, her boyfriend that I crossed over came to me in that reading and had told me how he died. And I related that to, to her. And I said, but he's saying he's sorry, this was an accident. And she said, I always wondered about that. And he said he was playing Russian roulette and the gun went off and it was an accident. And that was exactly how he died. And I had no knowledge of that. It's great confirmation for you. It was, it really was. I believe you said that you were not religious, but you may have seen Jesus. Um, yeah. You weren't really sure. Did that make you religious afterwards? Or do you have any curiosity of why you think that might be Jesus? Um, well, so the only religious things that, that happened were when I was younger. Um, when we would go see my grandparents, they were very religious and we'd go to the Methodist church. Um, and then when I was 13, my mom took me to another church where they spoke tongues and they, um, believed in laying their hands on people and said it would cure people. And they, at the time I had just become diabetic at 12. And they said, if we lay our hands on you, then you're not going to be diabetic. And I went off my insulin and I got really sick. And so those things always steered me away from religion. I just felt more spiritual than religious. Um, it's not that I don't believe that Jesus doesn't exist. I do. Um, I just see him as mis being misinterpreted and that he was about, um, doing things yourself and that you can become that um, through, through your beliefs that you can do the things he did. And so it's, it's not that I, that I don't believe 
in Jesus, but it, it was kind of strange to me to have Jesus appear if that's who it was. Um, but I think in, in the spiritual belief that would be, that would be, um, mm, that would just be one of the people that, that might come. What inspires you about your NDEs? I think knowing that I chose to come back here, um, knowing that they had things to show me, even if I don't remember them, is so profound. And knowing that they're that they're there saying that your problems really aren't as big as you think they are in the grand scheme of things, that they're just this tiny, tiny piece of sand, even if they seem so huge to us when we're here, inspires me to know that I'm going to get through things, that that things are going to be okay, that there's a purpose. And I think that finding out your purpose is so important to be able to move into a spot where you feel like, oh, it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go home eventually. Everybody does, but that I'm here now for a reason. There's a purpose for me to be here. And um, that is so important for people to know. And it was important for me to know. Can you recall whether it was more real over there than it is here? Yes, 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 by far. The colors that I saw, the feeling that I had, the, the, the love is on a next level. It's just not something that you can really describe or that you feel here. You think maybe how much you love your children, you know, unconditionally. You love your children so much. It is so profound, even beyond that love. And to me, that's a love that is so profound here that I I don't know what would match it. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so it's just, it, it was home. It was that feeling that I was looking for that I was remembering all those years of my life. And that's why it was so disappointing when I, was back in this body. I was like, Oh, what did I do? (laughs) Why? (laughs) And so incorporating that, those feelings and things into this lifetime, um, even though I knew it, what was, it took me a bit. After experiencing that amount of love, did it cause you to reevaluate your relationships here and not to expect love like that? Well, I knew that there, that that love did not exist here. I just, I just knew that was, that was something that's just over there. So, but I think that it did make me, um, reevaluate some of my relationships and, and some of the things that, that maybe I needed to fix and, and make, make whole and make better. Um, different things that I've done as a parent that I wish, you know, I had done different and apologizing to my children and saying, you know, I was just doing the best that I could, but I know I caused you pain and that, that wasn't my intent. And also 
um, I'd had a falling out with my parents and, um, I, w- I was trying to fix that relationship and, and get on the right track for that. And also my fiance, who's amazing and so loving, um, helped me to do that. He helped, um, evolve that and to remember that things that happen when you're a ch- child don't necessarily, um, need to keep going on where you, you hold grudges because people change and they've changed since then. And just like I was saying, sorry to my children for some of the things that I had done, um, that probably weren't the best, the best or greatest idea that they were the same. And, and it was so helpful. And now all those relationships are mended and are wonderful. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. I think the statistics are something like at least 30, I mean, 50% of the people who are married come back and get divorced. Yes. And I think that's because they have this expectation that my spouse doesn't love me the way that I felt that love there. Right. Well, I can, I can see that, but um, it's just, I, I just don't think there's anything to compare that to here. In fact, I know it there, there's nothing that, that would compare that to. Right. I'm almost to the level of thinking that being in this realm, we're incapable of experiencing that amount of love. That's, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that when we're, when we're on the other side, we are so much greater than this little itty bitty piece that we are when we're in this body. It's almost like just a small portion of that gets in here and you are so much greater and you know so much more and you feel so much more. There's just, it's just another dimension. It, it is another existence that, that we just don't have here. Did you have any negative after effects from your NDEs? Not from my NDEs, no. I did from trying to take my life. Um, so I, my child that, that my special needs son that was with me wound up going and living with his dad. Um, and I had to work through that. It took me years to work through that and mm-hmm. to be able to, um, have him over and, um, you know, for them to know that I wasn't going to put him in danger by trying to take my life. Um, and I just want to clarify that he w- was not alone when I I did that, that I, I looked out and made sure that somebody was with him before I tried to, but that doesn't negate the fact that in a year I had tried to do that twice and that he, he wasn't best with me at that time. So you're an intuitive reader. Is this something that you're doing now and people can contact you about that? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Do you have a website? I have an email address that they can contact me at. Mm-hmm. It, it's called love lives on 111 at gmail.com. You said that you were intuitive before the NDEs. Right. When did you actually become a medium? I started doing readings for people, for friends and their friends in my early 20s. Then it was... And I took lots of classes. Um, I, you know, I had been 
spiritual my whole life. And it wasn't, it was in fifth grade when I started to go to the library and get my hands on anything that I could related to spirituality because I, I wasn't finding other people that were having the same experiences and I didn't have a lot of people to talk to about it. Or so I was researching on my own, trying to find out, okay, what is this? What does this mean? Um, So I had, I had gotten groups when I was in my twenties that I belonged to and people that mentored me. And then in my early thirties, during one of my readings, somebody came through to me and I started to talk about who was here with me and what they were saying and what they were doing. And, and then it started to happen all the time. I would be doing an intuitive reading thinking, okay, I'm just, I, I get visions and I would say what I see and, and say what I knew um, and was feeling. And then all of a sudden somebody would just pop in and I would find out, oh yeah, that's my grandpa or my mom or, and I always knew whether somebody had passed or, or not. Um, so but just for them to start popping in just was, um, I, I was, I was so shocked. And so now it's just normal. And so I'll be giving intuitive reading and they just come over and they start talking. It's almost like, um, when, when I first begin, before I begin, I meditate for a little bit and I ask my spirit team, archangels, um, God, people that have passed over to come in and surround me. And then I always ask for the other person's team, um, same thing, to come out, come in and just talk through me. Mm-hmm. And so now I get intuitive things or what psychic, what whatever you want to name it. And also um, people that have crossed over that want to talk to them and give them messages. I also get things about pets. Um, so that comes through readings too. So do you like hear the person's voice? Like if it's somebody's grandfather, do you hear this elderly voice that you just kind of hear out of nowhere and, and, or how does it work? It, it, no, um, it's this, it's clear knowing mm. and it, it's almost like, somebody's talking to me, but yet they're telepathically communicating. Mm-hmm. So it's not a voice per se. It's these, these images that I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'll see them. Right. But then I'll just know, I'll just know exactly what, what they want me to say. So it's kind of like, all of a sudden, this image image of an elderly man with glasses just keeps coming to me. To yes, but life. I usually know who it is now. And then he's showing me a fishing pole or something. And so, what does that mean? You guys used to go fishing together, or right? Or he'll say um, a name, or he'll he'll call the person by what he used to call them by. Mm-hmm. And then a message will come through or I'm just coming in to let you know that I made it through to the other side and people that have tried to do um, uh, 
in their life will come in and they will show like, like the guy that came in who, who was the boyfriend of that niece and they'll show me what they were doing and they'll show and I'll just know that the gun went off and I know they'll be saying they're sorry and I'll just tell them. So a lot of times I'll say, well, this is weird. Something's coming through. I don't know what this means, but this is what I'm seeing. This is what they're showing me. That's almost kind of, I guess maybe they call that a clairsentience. 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 Like it's just this, you get visions, but a knowing. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Right. It wasn't it- until recently that I actually heard somebody's voice in something other than that, that knowing where I actually heard a man's voice say, Hey, and that was to me, not when I was doing a reading, but when I was just by myself and I'm not sure who it was. Mm. I'm not sure if it was just somebody coming in wanting attention i don't know and that was just recently that i heard that that's i think they call claire audience right yes yes mm-hmm. and you heard that hey and did you first kind of like say who said that or did I you... that's so funny so i was in my kitchen and it sounded like it was coming from over my from by my where my stairs are and i was doing the dishwasher and my cat was was up on the counter and he was just sitting there and normally they get really scared if they hear something and they would just take off running. So I'm sitting there. I hear this. Hey, it was, it was an empathetic. Hey. And I looked up thinking who's in my house, but I wasn't scared, which is not normal for me because I get scared <laughs> pretty easy. Um, but I knew all the doors in my house were locked. And I looked up expecting to see somebody, a man standing there, and there was nobody there. And I look over at my cat, and my cat's just sitting there, just watching me do the dishwasher like she, like he normally does, and um, and hadn't moved. So I knew for sure this wasn't something that they had heard. This was something that I had heard myself. I wonder if you worked on that, your ability would increase. Well, I'm wondering too. Um, I'm I'm trying to do things like that to bring that in because I would be open to that. But I also know that spirit does their things in their own time, and I really believe that that was the beginning of it. And it was that same day that I went downstairs to do my laundry. And we have these gates up because we have a dog that get, likes to get into things. <laughs> so we had the, a gate up at the end of the stairs, at the bottom of the stairs. And I had just turned around to put that gate there. And my cat was down there watching me like he normally does. And um, my dog was upstairs sleeping on my bed. And I knew that. And all of a sudden, so I'm down there. I'm on the first step, but I haven't moved. I'm not moving. I'm just placing the gate. And all of a sudden I hear somebody on the stairs. And the only way those stairs creak, those couple of stairs creak like that is when somebody is literally stepping on them. And that was the same day. 
and I wasn't scared. And I just knew somebody's here. Yeah, maybe they just were there and trying to get your attention and realized they couldn't and left. That it could be. Yeah. My sister said, did you ask who it was? And mm-hmm. I said, no, I didn't even think about doing that. I just knew that somebody was there and that they had said, hey. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. Do you think that most people who have crossed over, they can come back and contact us or or people like you, or they haven't completely crossed over? They're still kind of here. No, 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 no. Um, Well, okay. So there's, there's, there's two kinds of spirit or um, one I call a ghost who is still here, who has not crossed over. That's a ghost. And then spirit who's crossed over. I know there's two. Now, I always have, um, I'm always in contact with people that have crossed over. I have not had an experience with ghosts other than seeing a form here and there throughout my life. Um, And those people, it it was just like the top half of them. So one was floating um, by my parents' entryway when I was in their kitchen. And it was a man with a beard. I could literally see him. And um, and he he just, he was floating. And then all of a sudden, he just wasn't there. And then Spirit, who has crossed over, now they've changed form. So I always like to tell people that it, it's like a fan. So when it's going slow, you can see the blades moving, right? So that's us. That's us here. Mm-hmm. But the faster the blades move and you can't see them, that's spirit. Spirit's still there, but you you can't see them. And so there are two different kinds of of, of um, ghost and, and spirit. Do you think orbs are spirits who who have crossed over? Yes. Yeah. Um, as, as far as what I have seen. And they always have the lights around them. Now I've seen pictures and other people, and I'm not sure what that is. I'm not sure unless I'm having a reading with them and can feel that energy. And mm-hmm. then, and then, and then I can tell because hmm. they'll show me, they'll hmm. show me in my vision. Did you have a history in your family of being intuitive? I do. Um, so my mom always was spiritual and her side of the family was spiritual. In fact, my grandmother and my great grandmother had abilities and she, my great grandmother had these books that she passed on when she passed away. And they were, they were so intuitive, um, psychic in nature. Um, and, and she had, um, done things that she would belong to the unity church and, and things like that. And they're very open about about being that way, about being spiritual, um, more than religious. And so my uncle on the same side, and then it went down to my aunt and then my mom. 
So we had a, a, we have a history of this in our family on my mom's side. Now my dad, my dad was atheist, although his side of the family is very religious and they all belong to the Methodist church and they read the Bible and they, they go to church all the time. And so it was really different growing up having those two kind of backgrounds. In fact, my, my dad always teased me, he'd say, oh, you're psycho, not psychic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, also uh, growing up for me was really hard because I would know things about other kids where they would say, um, they would come up to your face and they'd act all happy and glad to see you. But I knew that they really didn't like me. And so making friends was always really difficult for me throughout school and kind of made me feel more of a loner. I may have had one or two close friends and that was it. But that I did a lot of, of reading and working on my spirituality. That has seemed to be the 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 path of my entire existence from childhood on. That was the thing that I was the most um, happy doing and felt the most alive and except for having my children, which was such a great joy to me too. But this has been my life purpose. Do you think having a lifetime of being intuitive, especially at childhood, set you up in later years for the depression you had? Um, I think, I think I came in knowing that this wasn't really home. And that has stayed with me. I think that it was a combination of things. It was that, that knowingness, knowing that you don't have medical problems. I, I've had so many medical problems throughout my life. And I believe that knowing that, that when you're on the other side, you don't, you don't have those problems and you're surrounded by all that love mm-hmm. and being here in the physical and dealing with so many medical problems just made me really depressed. Mm-hmm. It, it just, and then going through a lot of the life lessons that I have with, um, you know, having um, abusive relationships and it's been, it's been a hard road. I know that I was on the other side and I'm the type of person where I'm, I'm like gun ho at the very beginning, like, oh my gosh, I want to go in. I'm so excited. And, and it's pro- the, the spirit guides were probably like, oh no, 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 no. This is going to be way too hard. This is, th- these lessons are so hard. I don't think you can handle all that. And I was like, no, no, give it to me. I can do it. And then I get here and I'm like, oh, what did I do? I just, I think that was, that was probably exactly what happened on the other side. But, um, but I do know that also because of everything I've gone through, I have a greater awareness of other people and being able to relate and being able to have empathy towards those situations that really nothing anybody could possibly say to me would surprise me. Nothing that um, comes through ever surprises me. I've known things about friends that I 
probably should, well, that I know I shouldn't have. And I learned very quickly with friends that maybe I should be a little bit careful about telling them something if they're not asking for that information. So I've learned along the way what to do, what not to do. Um, so that's that's been incredible. And and all this knowledge that has come through has helped me so much in, in giving the readings that I do. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. What's the best way that they can do that? Um, through email. The email is love lives on one 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 at gmail.com. Okay. That would be the best way to get a hold of me. All right. Well, before we finish up, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everyone? I do. Um, so I want people to know that even when they're depressed or they feel like they're not home, that they are always surrounded with their guides, their spirit guides, archangels, angels, God. And that a lot of times when you're in depression or you're feeling so alone, it kind of blocks out what's there for you. And I know that from personal experience that when you're in that place, things seem so dark and dense that you really have a hard time seeing that. But they're always there. They're always going to be there to help you. And a lot of times, all you have to do is just ask. Um, you know, we have free will here and nobody will go against your will on the other side. So sometimes you just have to say that you allow their presence to show themselves to you so that you can feel them, hear them. I believe everybody's intuitive. Everybody has abilities. Um, it just depends on if you want to, um, you know, acknowledge them and have them come in. But sometimes just asking for them to come in, you'll just feel the light. You'll feel it. You'll you'll have a knowingness, even if you're not um, saying that you're intuitive or, or psychic. Thank you for that message. Sure. All right, Stephanie. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Oh, thank you so much, Jeff. I really enjoyed being on your show. Thank you. And have a wonderful day. You have a wonderful day too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.